another episode of This Week with Sabir. Uh, this week in our hot seat is Dr. Brooke Goldner. She's a best-selling uh, author, founder of goodbyelupus.com, creator of the hyper-nourishing nutrition protocol for lupus recovery, and is the author of three best-selling books, Goodbye Lupus, uh, Goodbye Autoimmune Disease, and Green Smoothie Recipes to Kickstart Your Health and Healing. Dr. Gold Goldner was diagnosed with system systemic lupus nephritis with stage four kidney disease at 16 years old and made a startling recovery, recovery from her disease at uh, 28 years old using her protocol, which uses supermarket foods. She has been symptom-free ever since uh, with normal lab results and no trace of disease in her body. And the book that I just mentioned is this book. You can find it definitely on, on Amazon. And uh, Dr. Goldner, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. That's great. So just a couple of things, housekeeping. I really need to, because we will be talking about a lot of interesting things. I want to put this disclaimer up. Uh, so it is uh, the statements made on this show. Uh, it's not it's not FDA approved. Uh, it's not a replacement for medical advice or anything like that. You know, so even though Dr. Uh, Goldner is a doctor, you know, we I, I just wanted to flash that. And also it's an, uh, Dr. Goldner. It's a very interesting day on, on this show on this week with Sabir. We got approved by LinkedIn Live. So to today's episode, your episode, is the first episode we are broadcasting live also on LinkedIn Live. That's our that fourth so channel cool. now. Wow. Yeah, so, so LinkedIn Live audience, welcome to the show. <laughs> um, so so uh, uh, Dr. Uh, Goldner, tell me about you. Tell me who are you? What happened? I, I started reading the book, uh, you know, and, and by the way, I, I, every morning I drink uh, a, a gigantic uh, cup of uh, a watermelon juice every morning, uh, fresh. Uh, and if it's not in season, then I drink uh, celery juice. Um, I love it. It keeps me hydrated. This is why a 50-year-old looks like this. <laughs> Awesome. Ah, goodness. So uh, about me, well, you know, I, I am a board certified medical doctor. I have a weird specialty. My specialty is disease reversal uh, using lifestyle nutrition. So I'm a strange kind of doctor that helps people get off their medicines by getting healthy. And the way I got into this is because for uh, years, many years before becoming a doctor, I was a patient. You know, I was sick from childhood. I started getting migraines at 14 and joint pains by 16 and then rashes on my face. And uh, the migraines got so severe, I'd be throwing up for days, just in terrible pain. It was hard to hold my pen because my hands were swollen. And it took the doctor some time to figure out what exactly was going on with me. You know, I have migraines, they did all the tests and didn't know and gave me pain medicine. And then with the arthritis, they didn't know and they gave me pain medicine. And then when I got the rashes as well, after a day in the sun, uh, I got a terrible rash across my face. I was throwing yeah. up from a migraine and my dad um, called my doctor and she met us at the hospital. And that's when they said, okay, this is, this is lupus. I said, what's lupus? Um, and it's a disease where your immune system starts actually attacking your own body. So autoimmune diseases are different diseases in which your immune system is actually attacking yourself. So instead of attacking a virus or a bacteria, it attacks your own organs and joints and it can cause all sorts of uh, problems for the body. Lupus is one of the most dangerous because it can affect any organ. Uh, I've helped people reverse uh, brain lupus, lung lupus, heart lupus, kidney lupus, um, and kidneys are the most common. And actually, when we went to the hospital, that's when I found out that I actually had lupus attacking my kidneys. And so the next day, I had to get a surgery to get a biopsy. And the day after that, I'm in a nephrologist's office with my mom and my grandmother. Um, and my, my grandparents are Holocaust survivors who came here as refugees after the war. Uh, so I'm first one born in America. My mom came through Ellis Island, you know, so my grandparents had all these hopes and dreams for us. Here I am at 16 in the office and the nephrologist said, um, you have the most aggressive form of lupus nephritis. And at the rate that your kidneys are under attack right now, in six months, you likely won't make it. You'll be on dialysis or you could be deceased. 
Uh, we don't have medicines right now that are approved that can stop this kind of lupus nephritis. This was a long time ago. I'm 44 now. This is when I was 16. Uh, so we have a lot more fancy meds now that, that didn't exist then. Although even with the fancy meds, the course hasn't really changed. Uh, but um, they were doing experimental treatments at the time using chemotherapy and chemotherapy, you know, normally is for cancer. But one of the side effects of chemotherapy is that it shuts down the immune system. And that's why people with cancer are so in danger from getting sick from infections. So they thought, what if we intentionally shut off your immune system with high doses of chemotherapy? Uh, kind of like what you do with your computer when it's not working. What do you do? You shut it off. You shut it off. You say a prayer, <laughs> right? Count to 20, turn it back on and see if the problem Hope everything goes away yeah right and so they thought and it was really a fascinating idea what if we intentionally just reboot you because you didn't have lupus before see what happens the problem is is excruciating so i took seven different medicines every day high doses of steroids and i took chemotherapy on top of that where they increased the dose every month to see how much it would take to shut down the immune system shut down the process of of the kidneys getting worse to save them. Um, it was really, really hard. I mean, from 16 to 18, that was my life was mostly like scheduling my exam, like when I studied for my exams around my chemotherapy, because I wouldn't be able to eat for a week, I'd be so weak and throwing up. And so, um, you know, I, I really, I'm so grateful for my family, who just never let me kind of give up on anything I did. There was no discussion of me not finishing high school or going to college or anything. It was like, Hey, chemo's on Friday. You got to test Monday. When are you going to study? Like you have stuff to do. You got things to accomplish. Uh, and so they kept me really focused on my life and not on my illness. And so I was able to graduate in the top 10 of my class. I got a scholarship wow. to my first choice college, but it was, you know, it, it was a tough push and it did work. It took two years. Uh, for the chemotherapy, because what would happen is they would raise the dose and the kidneys would get better. But then if they like skipped a treatment, it would start going down again. And so one year became two years. And then finally, after two years, I was considered in remission from the kidney failure, meaning I still had damage to my kidneys. I still had protein loss in my urine. I still had all positive markers for lupus. I still had arthritis, but my kidneys were stable. I wasn't currently dying from it. And that is really what remission is in autoimmune disease is you're stable. You're not cured. Everyone, we can still tell you have it, but you're not getting worse. Some people even get some remission of their symptoms, but you still have this disease. And so for me, that was the best thing I could ever hope for was remissions. And I was able to have remissions uh, where, you know, I just took pain medicine rather than having to take high dose steroids and chemo. I could live with my migraine medicine and my joint medicines. Um, and that was, I was actually pretty happy with that. And I'm a grateful person. I feel like having my disease pushed me to be more successful. Uh, because I learned that you don't know how much time you have. So laziness can't factor in, right? You mm -hmm. have to take action every day. Sometimes you don't feel like taking action and sometimes you can't. So you have to have had taken that action the day before, right? You can't put things off. So I think it increased my drive to succeed because I didn't know how much time I had, but I knew I wanted to make my life count for something. So even in college, I went to a college called Carnegie Mellon, which is a science school. Yeah. And they said, you can't do genetic research till you're a junior. I said, I don't know what's happening my junior year. So I showed up at the labs every day, starting the summer after freshman year until somebody let me in and let me start doing research. So I started doing research my sophomore year and I graduated with honors for the research I did in genetics and, and you know, medical school, all the things it was like, I, I was focused on my gratitude and happiness, but also there was this underlying drive and push uh, that I just wanted to do as much as I can with whatever life I had. And honestly, to this day, I would be happy even if that was currently my life. Uh, you probably wouldn't be talking to me right now if that was still my life. Um, but, you know, that was how it was. And even going to medical school, I, I got sick in medical school because lots of pressure, very little sleep. I was working 100 hour weeks um, and I actually got a new type of lupus that causes blood clots. And I had many strokes, so I was getting double vision. I passed out. Uh, and I was sending blood clots into my brain. Uh, thankfully, they dissolved. It's called a mini stroke or a transient ischemic attack. It's when the clot dissolves before it could cause permanent damage. Uh, but because I had that, they knew I could have a major stroke pulmonary embolism. Uh, so I had to start taking injections for blood thinners. And they told me at that point, you know, this is for life because you could have a major stroke um, that, you know, the lupus is getting worse again, which is 
what you expect from a disease like that. You know, it's like you get better, but then you never know when the next relapse is going to be. Um, I knew at that point I was actually almost a doctor. I was finishing medical school. So it was the hardest time for me because I really understood what I had. Um, there was no internet when I was a kid and, and sick. There was no internet till I was in college. So I never, you know, searched and, and learned. I just did what my doctor said. And there was kind of a peace in that way of not knowing. Um, so it was emotionally more difficult with the relapse because I knew that I would probably, you know, I, I wouldn't be able to have children. They said between the kidney failure and the blood clots, it'd be a death wish um, that I would probably be, be disabled by my 40s. Um, you know, it, so it, that part was hard and, and I built my whole career on my brain. I'm not an athlete, you know, and I thought if I have a stroke, everything I work for is gone. So yeah. it was definitely scarier. But ultimately, I went back to that mentality that my immigrant grandparents taught me, you know, like you just got to keep going and take action and and take what life gives you. And and so um, so I did. And I graduated and, you know, became a doctor. And I thought that that was the best it could possibly be. Um, obviously, since we're talking, things changed. And uh, and I discovered a way to actually reverse my disease, mostly from falling in love with the right person. Um, oh, wow. my, yeah. My husband, Thomas Tadlock, is a is an incredible human being. Those if people follow you probably are interested in the personal development world. My husband has done a lot in personal development. You know, he shared the stage with Tony Robbins and he teaches oh, wow. success mindset, you know. Um, but back then he was trying to understand the um, cellular basis for metabolism. That was his obsession at the time. And anyway, um, you know, we fell in love and he wanted to marry me and I had to tell him this horrible thing. I had to tell him that, you know, I would love to marry you, but um, I have this horrible disease that I don't usually talk about, you know, because I don't like to focus on it. But, you know, I can't have your kids and, and you're going to have to take care of me when I get disabled and I'm not going to live that long. And, you know, it was a it was a really hard conversation because I didn't want to lose him. But I didn't want to be dishonest with him about what he was getting into. And uh, he said he'd rather have a short life with me than a lifetime with anyone else. And he was going to be by my side. And wow for whatever life gave us that it was okay if we didn't have kids. It was, you know, he was just wanted me. Um, so that was exciting. <laughs> I've been, I've been my whole life wanting the white coat. I never thought about the white dress, you know? And so that's when actually things changed, not just, you know, of course love was great, but love didn't change my health. I still got my labs drawn and I still have lupus, but because of his obsession with metabolism, he had created a nutrition plan to optimize metabolism uh, and he was helping celebrities with fat loss and muscle building. Like they're going to be on MTV in three weeks. They need a six pack. And so he was manipulating metabolism nutritionally to help people achieve these physical goals. Mm -hmm. um, and I wanted to use it so I could look hot in my wedding dress in Maui. Uh, <laughs> I, so I had zero um, belief or idea, idea that that could affect my health. People have asked me in interviews, you must have known that something could help you. And that's why you learned about nutrition. No, I'm a doctor. We had no idea. You stayed away from it. You did not believe that that was connected to your uh, ultimate health. It wasn't health. belief. It wasn't taught to me. And if I spent 12 years just to be a doctor, would they leave something out? <laughs> like, nutrition. So, so if, so if they didn't teach it to you, you kind of just assume it must not matter. So I had no inkling. I knew take my meds, get a good night's sleep, manage my stress, and I can do as best as I can do. Um, and what happened was I changed my diet. He had to adjust it for me because I was a vegetarian and he was still using some meat in it, but everything else I did exactly like he said. And just like his other clients, I had amazing results. I, uh, I went from a size 11 to a size three in three months. I was ripped, but for the first time in my life, since I was 12, 13, 14, I had no headaches. I had tons of energy. I had no joint pain. And when I went to get my labs drawn about three months later, uh, the labs were negative for lupus, which don't make sense medically because once you have it, you have it. And there's no reason why that, I mean, all the antibodies were gone. The blood clots were gone. Everything was gone. Kidney function was normal. No protein in my urine. Uh, wow. Everything was normal. Like someone who didn't have lupus. So my doctor said it was a lab mistake. Retested me again the following month. Again, normal labs, no evidence of any blood clot antibodies and my cholesterol, which I was told was high from genetics and not all the cheese I ate. Uh, normal. <laughs> and so that was 16 years ago. Since then, I've had two kids. 
Uh, uh, I have been yeah, off medicines. I stayed on my meds for an extra year after I had normal tests because I must still have it, even though you can't see it because it's incurable, right? So took my meds, took my injections every day, you know, even though I had no blood clots. Um, but it's been 15 years off all meds, 16 years since negative labs, and I've never had a relapse. At 44, I'm in the best shape of my life. Uh, I have zero aches and pains. I have tons of energy. And my husband and I used our understanding of science uh, and research and went back and just especially after I had my first son and had no relapse, which I was told was impossible. Uh, we studied the science of it, specifically the cellular science of nutrition, how nutrition affects cellular repair and immunity. And so we, we developed a specific protocol that optimizes cellular repair and immunity. And then we tested it for a year before we told anyone about it to make sure that it was something reproducible. And in the past dozen years, we've helped thousands of people reverse lupus, RA, scleroderma, Sjogren's, as well as things like heart failure, diabetes, other things. So, because uh, when you're looking at cellular repair, it doesn't really matter the disease. It's about optimizing your body's ability to do what it was already programmed to do, which is heal itself. So that's the short version of who I am when you ask. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, fortunately or unfortunately, I know quite a lot about autoimmune disease. Um, right. Uh, there, there's a there's a movie on Netflix called Brain on Fire. I don't know if you've uh, watched it. Um, it's about autoimmune disease, specifically about auto autoimmune encephalitis, um, mm. brain inflammation. Unfortunately, you know it, it affects me. Uh, someone in my family, which I don't I don't want to share their story. That's their story. Um, and I ended up learning quite a lot about uh, about that. So when you were talking about um, you know, taking certain types of meds to shut down immune system. I've seen it firsthand, you know, yeah. and, uh, you know, names like rituximab and stuff like that. I know it, <laughs> you know, I, I know yeah. it intimately. Um, and, um, I mean, it's phenomenal that you, you went through, uh, all of, all of that journey and it turned, it's funny that how universe works and the universe threw at you this, uh, love of your life, right? To become yes. the cure for you because you had that drive, you know, I mean, you could have given up and not even go to medical school or not meet or I don't know how you met, but it's possible you may have may have attended his conference and you got up and went and talked to him, you know, and oh, that was I a connection up at a bar. Okay. So this is actually a really cool story because I really do believe that, you know, there, there's this there's this optimal path we can take, but we have to be the one to walk it. You know, people think manifesting means like saying what you want and waiting for it to land in your lap. No, right. manifesting is knowing what you want and then taking action every day to go after it. And yeah. so one of the things that I've done in my life and especially having been sick is I don't have, I don't allow people who don't, who aren't looking out for me, who don't give me good energy in my life. And I don't have a bandwidth for that. Life's too short. I know firsthand, right? Yeah. So, I was on a date, first date, okay, to, and, and this guy took me to this bar and they he told me they had great music there. And I went there and the music was good, but as soon as he started having drinks, he became really rude, like oh, really wow. rude and, and just sarcastic, telling me he doesn't like my stories. If you don't like stories, I'm not a good fit anyway. <laughs> but, you know, but he was just, he was really, con I mean, even he even said to me that, because he went to my college, that he remembered my sorority as the ugly girl sorority. Like who said that on a date? Like what? So, so he said that I said, you know what? Um, this date is over. You are rude, condescending. I'm not enjoying myself, but you were right. The music's fantastic. So I'm going to stay, but the date's done. And then I left him and I would just dance. So I was dancing. It was drum and bass. It was like fantastic. I was having a great time. Go to the bar to get a drink of water. And who's sitting there but Thomas Tadlock. And he is the most gorgeous man I have ever seen in my life to this day. Like, just amazing, right? So I'm looking at him now, and I remembered him because he went to my college as well. Um, and uh, and he was a computer science guy, so I already knew he was brilliant. Yeah. And so, um, so I, I sat down. I said, hey, I know you. You went to my college, right? And he dated my sorority sister, uh, who's also a doctor. So he has a, he had a type, you know. So I saw him. I said, "Hey, I know you." And he goes, "Yeah, I went I went to your school." And we just started talking. And all I remember after that was the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen, and laughing to my face and my stomach hurt. And I totally forgot the other guy until he walked over to us, 
and talked some crap and walked away. And, and Tom looked at me and said, what's going on? I said, oh, yeah, I forgot. I came with him. <laughs> but, but, uh, but he's rude. And he goes, yeah, he's a mean drunk. I said, yeah, I learned. Um, but but what, I tell you the story because, you know, there's so many people out there who would have stayed on a bad date and waited till they got home to tell their girlfriends about how much it was. I didn't have time for that. And because I was willing to walk away and just go and enjoy myself, I wasn't looking for a replacement. I just went to do what felt good for me, which is dancing and having fun. And because I did that, there Tom was sitting there. And the cool thing was I'd never been there before and had never planned to go there. And Tom never usually went out during the week. He, his friend had begged him to go out because he was having a hard day. So we both never would have even been there except for that one night. Uh, and, and that was the night that we met. Uh, so it's, a, it's an interesting thing, but I always tell people the more time you waste in the wrong situation, uh, the more you're missing out on something amazing that might be just waiting for you. You know, and so whether it's in relationships or in business or wherever you are, you got to be willing to leave a bad situation to be able to have the life that you really want. So kind of transitioning now, you know, um, you meet him. Uh, life is changing now. And from a medical standpoint, it's changing. On a personal level, it's changing. How does Goodbye Lupus come into the picture now? My book? Yeah. The, the, the book, the website. Uh, yeah. you know, the business that you have created, uh, how did you, you know, being a doctor, the, the, the typical route is you, you go become a resident, you do your residency, you, you, you know, either you join a hospital or you go and go private practice and, and yeah. that's it. And you start buying expensive things, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you work so much, you never get to play with them. Right. Yeah. Um, and then yeah. you're too busy, too busy, uh, you know, taking care of patients, you know, yeah. So that's a typical route. How do you, you know, get, that's a typical path, but you're not a typical person. How no. does Goodbye Lupus come into the picture, that this whole new lifestyle yeah. and, and helping other people? So my, uh, my route, everything I've ever done has been very much where I just kind of have my heart pull me in the direction where I want to go. And so I trust my instincts. So I, I, I've changed my mind a lot of times on what I was going to do on some level, right? So when I was going to medical school, I thought maybe I'll go into rheumatology because then I can help people with lupus, obviously. Um, but then when I was doing my medical rotations, I noticed that there was a big difference in outcomes in my patients depending on their uh, emotional health. And I spend a lot of time with patients. Even now, I spend 75 minutes in an appointment. I, I really feel like it's important to make a relationship with a person to heal them, even when I was doing traditional medicine. So as a med student, I spent a lot of time talking to people. And I saw that people who were depressed and isolated weren't healing from even minor things. And people who were surrounded by family and happy were having breakthroughs that we didn't expect. You know, and, and I thought maybe there's something to it. And so one day, it really, really shook me when I saw this patient who Every day on the surgery rotation, we had to go in and, and scrape dead skin off this woman's foot. And it was horrible. That's what med students and residents have to do, right? And every day she would scream and cry. It was horrible. And then one day we went in and her daughter was there and she was talking to her daughter and she didn't cry, didn't scream, no reaction. And afterwards, I said to the residents and the attending was there, did you see that? And they said, what are you talking about? They knew I was, I always had something to say that was not, <laughs> yeah. so what did you You were the rebel. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I was the reason as a medical student, they started end of life counseling uh, for surgeons wow. because I was so upset with how little they understood about human psychology. Uh, we're not just things that it's not like a machine you cut open. But anyway, that's another thing. So I said to them, <laughs> did you notice this is the first day that she didn't cry? They didn't even notice, you know, and I said, because she was happy, because she was fulfilled, she was experiencing pain on a lower level. And I said, I'm going into psychiatry. Because one thing I'm good at is happiness. I have been able to be happy and grateful and have a beautiful life, even with pain. And then there are people who have horrible lives, even without physical pain. And yet our emotional state affects our experience of pain and illness. So I thought if I can teach people happiness, I can have, help people have better lives in spite of any diagnosis. So I went to psychiatry. I specialize in trauma. Uh, and my goal was to work with the homeless and underserved because I my my passion is always helping the people no one else will help. Uh, I feel, I, I just, I feel like uh, there's the vulnerable and the innocent, you know, and I thought, you know, and, and even Tom said, wait a minute, you're going to Harvard, UCLA, 
your chief resident in psychiatry, you could have a Beverly Hills practice right now and bring us some really good income. What are you doing taking this job working for the homeless? <laughs> and I said, because this is where my passion is. I want to help these people come back. So that was my original thing. I became the youngest medical director in uh, Southern uh, California, working with underserved 18 to 25 year olds. I wrote a chapter in my residency on the unique emotional needs of that population and helping people go from juvenile justice and foster care to actually finishing school, becoming members of society, overcoming their traumas of seeing someone killed on their front lawn when they were eight, you know? Um, and so I really love helping people get lives back. That's really what I'm about and it's what I still do. Uh, so I thought that was it. I'm in my place. This is what I'm going to do. Uh, then I have my first child and nine days after giving birth to Solomon, not only did lupus never come back, but I was back nine days later, I'm back in my pre-pregnancy genes. Uh, I have no signs or symptoms of illness. I don't even look like I had a kid. Uh, and so Tom was still working in fitness at the time. And he said, I have women and he had the largest boot camps in Orange County at that point. And he's like, there are women in my boot camp trying to lose pregnancy weight and their kids are in college. How are you nine days later? So he's taking pictures that we still have, you know, like this is good for business. Um, and I'm going, how does this medically make sense? I had the baby, there's no relapse. So that's when we started studying this. And so uh, I was giving talks, like I gave talks for, um, you know, uh, different lupus organizations, just about my experience and helping people with like the emotional side and better nutrition and that kind of stuff. But it wasn't official yet. It was just kind of like, you know, speaking out about it, posted my story on Facebook um, just to teach people that there's hope. And but I had less than 100 followers on Facebook. You know, I, nobody knew I was a psychiatrist and nonprofit doing the homeless, right? Um, but uh, I started to kind of become more open about it um, because I found that my patients didn't care about another doctor telling them what to do, but they were interested when I told them about my experience. And so I started realizing that even though medical school told me to never share for myself, that actually sharing and, and having a real relationship with a person uh, and letting people see my own journey actually inspired them more to take care of them, their health. So Thomas was the one who finally said, like, you need to write a book. You need I call him. He's my manager. He's like, <laughs> you've got to do more. Um, to to start getting this message out there because there's other people like you. And, and as much as I'm happy that you're healthy as your husband, I know there's so many husbands out there and wives suffering, depressed and terrified they're going to lose their spouse. You know, and I don't have to do that anymore. But there's people out there who are. It's like, we have to bring your story to the public. So he was more famous person than me at the time. You know, he was a number one fat loss expert. He had the number one uh, vegan podcast, the Vegan Body Revolution show. Like he was, you know, he was the guy. And whenever he got invited to a talk, he'd say, do you know my wife? She's amazing. You should totally have my wife come and, and speak too. And then I would speak and I'd get a standing ovation. And then people go, do you have a book? And I went, no. So, okay. So I wrote Goodbye Lupus really just so that when I gave a talk and someone went, oh, I wish my aunt was here. Do you have a book? I go, yeah, I have a book. And I figured, you know, that would be the only time anyone would buy a book. So I wrote Goodbye Lupus thinking that that's what I was going to use it for. And I decided to publish it on Amazon. And so I gave myself like a, a date that wants to know what date you're going to publish it on. So I gave myself a date just to make myself do it. And the funny thing is I go online to extend the date because of course I'm not done yet. Uh, and, and I see that it's a bestseller. <laughs> on the pre-order and nobody knows who I am. How, how is that even possible? So I went, Oh, I have to publish this now. Um, and so I published it and it has been a bestseller since 2015, wow. since the pre-order. Um, and now thousands of people all over the world have read it and followed the steps. Goodbye lupus is my story of healing and the six steps to healing with supermarket foods and why, like what food does on a cellular basis that can affect uh, illness or recovery. And so that first put me on the map. Uh, and I started getting asked to do more uh, talks and things and started to see people privately. So I had my day job at the nonprofit and then I was seeing people privately, either in my practice in my office or, or using telemedicine. I was one of the first telemedicine doctors. My husband was always pushing me. We got to leverage technology. I said, doctors don't use technology. And so, yep you know, talk to malpractice attorneys, you can actually use the internet. And so now it's common, but back then it was, you know, the scary new thing to try. Um, and so I started doing that more and more. And then after when I was pregnant with my second son, that's when my heart really felt that as much as I loved my work at the nonprofit, that I was really meant to do this, that there's 
millions of people suffering from these diseases who don't know there's a better way and I can help them. So, uh, so that's when I uh, retired from my job, uh, right when I was getting ready to have my uh, second son. And since then, I've just full-time worked in disease reversal. I do have people who still see me uh, for psychotherapy like once a week. I'm really good at it and I do love it. Uh, but most of the time, uh, all I'm doing is working disease reversal, which by the way, still uses everything I know about psychology because changing your diet and your lifestyle is not just about knowing what to eat. Like, oh, I should eat salad and not chips, thanks. It, there's an emotional part of people eating. It's addictive, it's you know societal pressure, it's celebrations, it's funerals, it's, you know, it, there's so much stress. There's so many different parts of it. And so I use everything I've ever been through, my personal experience with illness, um, my understanding of human psychology and how to motivate people and inspire people and amazing protocol and science to actually get people to get healthy in ridiculously short periods of time, even from decades long illness. So in, in the world currently, we're going through this uh, pandemic, right? I'm sure that uh, you just talked about stressors, right? Mm -hmm. Th that's a gigantic stressor, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and what kind of triggers are there uh, from your perspective? And, and, and what would you recommend for people to do ab about it? You know, cause it's, it's affecting all of us, you know, around the world. Yeah. So, you know, back when I was saying when I was a medical student and I was noticing that there was an impact of mood on illness back then, it was mostly just observation. I could see it and I could look and read and other people agreed with me. Since then, we've actually been able to show it in blood tests that stress, depression, anxiety, mourning, trauma, all actually increases inflammatory markers. So wow. literally stress is inflammatory and because it's inflammatory, it can trigger your genes for disease. So, you know, nutrition is one aspect that affects our gene function, right? One of the primary things uh, that affects your gene expression is your diet. But then on top of that, how much stress you have and your moods absolutely can trigger. And so most people I see when I always listen to their story, everybody's got multiple triggers. You know, it's like, yeah, I grew up eating Doritos and, and macaroni and cheese. And then I, my both grandfathers died the same year. And then, and then all of a sudden that woke up one day, right? Um, often it's a divorce or it's puberty or it's childbirth. There's some kind of triggers that it's not just one, but kind of, I call it like a storm. There's a cold, there's the, the cold front of the warm front, right? And then there's the winds and then there's you know, like, there's temperature, there's all these different things. So we have to really try to control all the things we can. You can't control everything, right? Like if you're in mourning, you can't control that someone died, right? But you can control your diet. You can control how you deal with your stress. So do you deal with stress with drugs, alcohol, and drug-like foods? Do you deal with stress through exercise and meditation, uh, social time with people who make you feel good? Um, what do you do to handle your stress? And so in my rapid recovery programs where I work with people every single day, like I have a rapid recovery group where every day for six weeks, we change not only their diet, but how they talk to themselves, how they spend their free time. Everything about their lives becomes anti-inflammatory. And when you do all those at the same time, illnesses go away in such rapid uh, amount of time. Like I had a lady in my last group who hadn't been able to make a fist in three years. It, two weeks in, she could make a fist. And by the third week, she was putting furniture together. You know, like it's, wow. it's remarkable. So if you're not sick, you can still do that. You can still take the time to say, okay, I, I don't need to sit down. Like when the pandemic was starting, I was doing a lot of news interviews at local news stations. And, and I kept saying, I know you can't leave your house, but don't drink a bottle of wine and a, and a pizza. All right. And watch Netflix. You got to get up and you gotta exercise, all right? You gotta eat the healthiest foods because you're under high stress. You want your immune system to work well when there's a deadly virus around, right? Like you gotta do, instead of sinking into the stress with comforting yourself with you know things that can make you sicker, you've really gotta take time every day on all the activities your body needs to be healthier, mentally, emotionally, as well as physically. I mean, how, actually uh, you just mentioned inflammation. How is autoimmune diseases, uh, by the way, I, I, I do want to tackle the topic of autoimmune disease because it's not just lupus, right? Uh, sure. What, what, what kind of popular diseases, I, I apologize for using the word popular, but you know, um, that, that affects humanity basically, um, that fall under autoimmune diseases. So there are many, many different autoimmune diseases. Uh, lupus is one that you hear about a lot because there's a lot of celebrities with uh, lupus that have come out. Um, rheumatoid arthritis is probably more common 
actually. RA. Um, yep, RA. Um, scleroderma is one that affects the skin. It causes hardening of the skin. Um, there's Sjogren's that causes dry eyes, dry mouth, other dry uh, secretions in the body. Very, very, very uncomfortable for people. All of the different autoimmune diseases can cause um, arthritis as well. Uh, there's multiple sclerosis. Um, so the there are also many people who don't have a diagnosis but know they have something autoimmune. So basically we can look at their symptoms and their blood markers and say, okay, this looks autoimmune, but we don't know which one it is yet because your antibodies don't show. And there's some people who don't actually show positive markers for five to 10 years after they feel sick. And unfortunately in today's medical world, a lot of those people are told, eh, let's just wait and see. Maybe you just are under too much stress. And, and they're kind of told that they're, you know, crazy in some way because nothing's showing up on the tests when really it's just the lab tests sometimes take more time to come around. And thankfully you can start your reversal process before they become positive. But there are many different ways that it shows up. A lot of people don't even know they're developing autoimmune, but it often will start with things like uh, excess fatigue, even though you're sleeping, um, feeling achy, fevers that make no sense that seem to keep coming and going, but you're not actually having an infection of some kind, um, slow healing, Sometimes people will just notice like I got a cold, but it lasted for a month instead of a week, or I got a wound and it just doesn't seem to be closing right. So there are early warning signs that you're having too much inflammation in the body that could be triggering the onset of autoimmune, but there's many, many different kinds. And the good news is as different as they might appear in terms of the symptom, like, oh, this is skin and this is nervous system and this is joints, uh, on a cellular basis, they're actually the same and they respond to the protocol in the same way that you know, you can eliminate the inflammation and have your body come back from it uh, as long as you take action on it. How, how much of that would you contribute to like, is it lifestyle? Is it food? Is it environment? Uh, you know, is it behavior? I mean, well, how, how would you apportion that, that, that leads to like inflammation? Or is it just, I could be the healthiest person in the world and my body just decides to, you know, just turn off a gene or turn on a gene? Yeah. So everything, yes to everything except the last one. Um, so listen, people have different sensitivities to environmental triggers, right? I mean, there are people, I have you know kids as young as two years old with autoimmune disease right now. Uh, and then there's some people, like my oldest patient who got diagnosed with autoimmune was 100. And, wow. uh, and it was kind of cool because he wanted to do rapid recovery with me and my group. Uh, and I looked up his paperwork and I went, this guy's a hundred. So I called him and it was a regular phone. It wasn't even a cell phone that answered. And, and he doesn't even have internet. I said, you can't do my rapid recovery group. It's online. <laughs> I said, what are you doing? And he said, I don't want to die of autoimmune disease. And so at a hundred years old, he switched to my protocol. He's eating raw foods. He goes running every day. I don't think he runs quickly, but he runs. Uh, mm -hmm. and he decided to reverse his disease at a hundred. So we have different sensitivities. You know, for me, the migraines by, by 14 and then the, you know, the kidney failure by 16. Um, but we all have different sensitivities and then we have different levels of stressors in our life. Like for me, I was bottle fed and ate lots of processed foods. Uh, both my granddads died when I was 14. Like there was like these things that happened, right? That I was already at a predisposition, obviously on a genetic level, somehow I had a predisposition, but then the poor nutrition, and other stressors came together. So even though I didn't have any depression or anxiety, I still had enough of those stressors happen to my body that developed this disease. Other folks, um, you know, I I've worked with folks where their diet actually wasn't that bad. It wasn't optimal, but it still wasn't as bad as maybe mine was, but emotionally they had more trauma. They had abusive parents or parents who were alcoholics or, or some other kind of emotional trauma that was more intense. And so that was enough for them. So when you ask, is it, is it lifestyle? Is it diet? Is it, is it emotional? Yes, is the answer. Um, what I do find though, is the people who were like me in terms of happy in their relationships, happy with their, their, uh, their purpose and their job and all that kind of stuff, just sick. I changed their diet and it stays to weeks and they are great. Like that lady who could make a fist for the first time in two weeks, her husband was right there next to her when we were doing our zoom meeting crying because he was so happy that she was feeling well, but you know, great relationship surrounded by grandkids. She just needed to fix her diet. Other folks where it's like, until we get their emotions where they need to be, even though their diet's perfect, it's kind of a slower, 
progress and a lot of ups and downs because their moods are creating so much depression for them. So, you know, that's why everybody should be working on all the aspects of it. If you've got serious trauma, you need to get help with that and move through it so that you can actually give yourself the life you want. But uh, nobody's going to be just perfectly healthy and suddenly that gene turns on. There's going to be a trigger for that gene to turn on. Um, there have been people where the trigger was like a medication side effect. You know, uh, so there, there's some kind of trigger. It's not just out of the blue, like you're eating ridiculously healthy, you're happy, there's nothing going on and you just suddenly become sick. Uh, I can always find uh, the part the, the problems for people and what's what's causing it and how to fix it and optimize it for them. Do you do you see most of the patients that come to you or people that come to you, they're they're coming in because they have the problem or uh, a bit, let's say I could be healthy, but I know that my grandparents had this issue. My parents had the issue. So it seems like it's going to be one of those genetic gifts that you didn't you never wanted, you know, right, but right, now right. you have to deal with. Uh, do they come to you even though they're healthy? They just want to they just want to be, uh, you know, preventative and, and get on the right lifestyle or. Is it after it's broken, then they come back, come to you? Most of the time, it's the second one. Um, okay. You know, when people are, are doing well, they're not usually looking for answers, right? So uh, there are some people, I have had some people do like my rapid recovery group, very rarely, uh, who said, you know, all, everyone in my family has diabetes, high blood pressure, I'm obese, I want to do this now rather than get sick. I have had it happen, but I can count it on my fingers and toes probably, maybe just my fingers. Yeah. Most of the time, if someone's coming to me because they need to dramatically and drastically change their lifestyle to save their own life, uh, they're coming to me sick. Most people don't want to eat vegetables. They don't want to have to, you know, wander their water intake. They don't want to give up their their uh, favorite dessert or, or anything like that. They want to keep those things as much as they can. So. Uh, yeah, most of the people, it's already late in the game, and uh, and we've got to just work to, to save their life. And so it's kind of funny because, you know, uh, a lot of times people will come to me and they'll say, I've tried everything else, and this is my last hope. I'm like, that's what everybody says. So I'm always the last hope, which makes it a very dramatic story every time uh, they come <laughs> back from the brink. Um, but yeah, people don't want to choose my program first. I mean, my program focuses on you know, the most nourishing foods that actually accelerate cellular repair, which is raw cruciferous vegetables. Most people don't want to, they don't need, they use that as like a garnish on the salad bar. They don't even put it on their plate, right? So uh, yeah, people would rather do like, I heard you could eat nothing but bacon. And yeah, you know, they want to try that one first. Um, so there are people who come to me first who either they know that I, I nobody has the kind of results I, I have and they know this is right. They just want to do it. But most of them are already sick in some way. Um, to, because listen, as humans, the thing that motivates us the most is pain. So if we're feeling good, we're not motivated. And so when you start to feel the pain, either emotionally, physically, then you start looking for answers. And that's usually when they see me. Um, I also have a lot of referrals now from doctors. Uh, when I first started doing this, it was my doctor is rolling their eyes. Now, uh, a good part of my practice is actually referrals from doctors or doctors themselves, because they don't like to take medicine either. Uh, so, <laughs> um, so, so that's I, changed. Yeah, I think I think you're a pioneer in, in kind of a being a doctor, but you you're incorporating like an integrated medicine, right? So it's not just uh, prescription drugs, but also lifestyle plus uh, food and and using the the right nutrition. Yeah, and really in a, in a real way. I mean, I, I don't know how many times now people tell me they went to an integrative doctor or a functional medicine doctor, and instead of taking a million pills, they're taking a million supplements. I'm like, it's still the same thing. They're still prescribing things that are chemically trying to change you rather than actually helping you change your life. Uh, so yeah, in a really real way, I'm there with them uh, from the beginning. Uh, I spend, like I said, 75 minutes with them. I help them understand the emotional stuff going on that's triggering them. I help them with their moods. I help them with their foods. Um, I help them with creating a lifestyle that's anti-inflammatory, help them find purpose and passion in their lives. So I really try to help people create lives that are worth living even while they're sick and then do everything it takes to get themselves better. Um, and it is really rewarding. I mean, other doctors think I'm crazy because I give every single one of my clients my personal cell phone number and say, if you need something, text me. You know, <laughs> and because I know that their text message in 30 seconds, I can solve that problem for them, you know, and then they can keep going versus feeling all alone and confused and they Google, they get the wrong answer and now they're off track and, and not getting their health back the way they wanted to. Yeah, um, now, 
getting to the to the business side of the equation right that brings on its own set of set stresses right because you're starting up this business um you, you want to help that's a great solution great great uh uh cause to go get behind right mm -hmm. now um tell me about some of the some of the challenges that you went through starting up for you starting up the business side of uh, things everything from you know you as a personality you as an author you mentioned that you became a bestseller without realizing it you know <laughs> Yes. You know, all of those things. I mean, there are a positive side of things and then there are, you know, hair pulling type of uh, negative things that may have happened to you uh, while you were going through that business, your journey. I got to say, I mean, one, I don't focus on negatives too much, so it's hard for me to generate that. Um, I had a really... Let's call it learnings then. Learnings. Yeah, no, no, I'm just <laughs> trying to think because for me, uh, I've had such an incredible experience through all of this um, and having my husband as a, as a role model too helped a lot. So with me, my, when I was working full-time at the nonprofit, my husband was trying to figure out his business. There was definitely some stress there because, you know, he, he left. So when, when I met him, we were in Pittsburgh and two months after meeting, I moved to California to start my residency and all we knew was we wanted to be together. And so he left everything behind. He had a very successful business there. He was well-known in the community. He was like the March of Dimes most eligible bachelor. Like everybody knew him there. Um, and he renovated his house, sold it, sold all of his belongings, got an oil change and drove just a suitcase of clothes from Pittsburgh to California with no job prospects, nothing. Uh, and I was a resident at the time when he did that. So I was making like 30 K, uh, which wasn't even enough to pay for my studio. <laughs> so, uh, that part was more stressful in, in that, you know, on the one hand, it was the happiest time of our lives because we were together, but we had nothing. Like I didn't even have a bed. We, I got a studio with no furniture. Uh, and I was sleeping on the floor with a blanket that somebody lent me, uh, who lived in the area. Right. So, so life, life, life was not as glamorous as Grey's Anatomy. Uh, no, uh, there was no glamour <laughs> at all. Um, so, you know, yeah, by then when I was an intern, they passed a law saying we couldn't work more than 80 hours a week. So that was that, better yeah. than when I was a medical student, but yeah, I, I didn't have, uh, I, I didn't have money. I didn't have furniture. I didn't have a bed. And yet I felt like the luckiest person on the planet because, I was, I actually made it. I became a doctor. I was so excited to go to work every day and wear the long coat. I remember my first day walking through the parking lot with a long coat on and feeling like a superhero with my cape flowing behind me. <laughs> like I remember imagining that as I walked, like I did it, you know, cause it was a short coat, didn't have that. Um, so I felt like the luckiest person on the planet and it didn't matter that I didn't have a bed. And then on top of that, there was someone who I was in love with, who was, you know, gonna move there and everything. So, so when he moved there six months later, yeah, we we had no money. My mom finally bought me a bed. She came to visit and she goes, "Oh God, no!" And so she went to IKEA <laughs> and bought me a couch and a bed and and a dresser. Uh, so that was pretty cool. And I had furniture too. Can you get more lucky than that? Um, so even the hard times in that way still felt so blessed to me. Um, and I remember actually when when Tom flew with me to move my cats and my suitcases to California and we're laying on that floor. And I said to him, I never want to forget. This is the luckiest and happiest I've ever been. Like, I just don't want to forget that because, you know, obviously we were going to one day have furniture, but I didn't want to forget how happy I was with nothing else besides my purpose and my love. Uh, so that's why I say it's hard for me to think in terms of that way because it's alien to me, but the harder time was then getting started. And then actually when, um, when I, I got pregnant right as I finished my residency. And so I had taken this new job as a medical director, but I had to take maternity leave before I'd worked long enough to get maternity pay. So I hadn't worked a year yet. And so I wasn't getting maternity pay. I was getting very little like disability from the state. And then Tom had a job working at a, at a he was just working at a, a training studio, just seeing private clients trying to make money by the hour. And he took a week off to be with me. I needed a C-section because my son was breached. He was butt first. There was no way to get him out. So, um, so I, I got surgery and he took a week off to be with me. And while he was with me, they found someone to work for cheaper and, and fired him. So we suddenly had a newborn baby and no income. And our rent was almost 3000 a month. 
So that was scary too. Um, so those were the times that were scary. And that's actually when he decided to do personal development and find a way to create something more from his business. He didn't want to be scared anymore. Uh, and so he started going to personal development and learning and he learned passive income and, and how to optimize business. And that's how he went from, you know, no job at all to creating these boot camps that had like six people in it to creating the largest boot camps in Orange County, which he sold. And so he retired at 36 after selling the boot camps. So now he's retired and I'm back to work. <laughs> and, um, and so when, when I was feeling that pull, towards, um, I think I'd want to focus my life on, on healing work uh, and not continuing this other job. He's like, it's your turn now, babe. You know, like you worked full time and I found my way and I created this business. And now he had, you know, all of this passive revenue screens and his real estate and da, 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 da. Uh, And he goes, now, now it's okay for you to follow your dream and I'll support us. And so there wasn't that stress for me. Um, so I started out doing what I think everyone should do is I started my private work while still working. So I had a salary uh, while trying to figure out how to build this practice from scratch. Um, but Side I hustle. Have, yeah. But and I think everyone should do that. I know so many people who quit their job and then they're trying to build a business and you're hungry. Right. So um, so but I also didn't have that same fear because I knew we were OK. You know, uh, we were able to pay the bills. We had our investments. So even if it took me time to figure out how to do this. It wasn't scary. Um, one, cause I knew it was what I was meant to do. Uh, and that we weren't hungry. We were okay. So we downsized. What we did was we're going to retire. So we downsized from that apartment to a tiny little two bedroom apartment. Um, and, uh, and no more washer and dryer, you know, like I was, we were in little parts. So we, we basically doubled our income by, uh, cutting our expenses in half. So therefore, even though I stopped working, we were making more money because we had no expenses, you know what I mean? So I, so that's what I'm saying, starting my business, I didn't really have a lot of stress in that way. Um, it was just about like, okay, now I have two kids and we're home full time. We both work from home full time, which was our goal was to be together all the time. Um, so how do we organize that? And so when the kids were small, it was like a lot of late hours at night, you know, cause with the kids all day and then working nighttime and seeing, you know, talking to people eight o'clock, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night uh, that way um, until they were old enough to go to school. And then that made things easier. So, you know, I, I feel like we really did it the right way. Thanks to my husband and what he understands about business. We really did it the right way where that wasn't the stress. And everyone that I worked with was happy with what I gave them and the results I gave them. And so everything I've ever done has been word of mouth. I mean, I had a, a pharmacist who wanted his cousin to move from Canada to see me because the pharmacist was seeing the patients that he knew regularly coming in healthy and not needing as much medicine anymore. And he noticed that and said, who are you seeing? And they were seeing me. Um, so it all happened organically by me just doing really good work for people. Um, and then the more I did that work, the more they told their friends and neighbors, I would see the grandmother, the mother and the daughter in the same family. Um, and so it just spread that way. And then I would give talks and, and, you know, my husband would organize the talks for me to help me get used to doing that where he had his boot camps and he'd say every month, Dr. G's giving a talk and he'd say, all right, Brooke, what talk are you giving this week? I don't know. You, know, and then he's, you gotta get in front of audiences. You have a message people need to hear. And so he kept pushing me, you know, write the book, get out in front of people, spread the message. And, and then, you know, and then when you do the work, then that part's easy for me. I know how to do that. Healing people, that's, that's, that's something that comes naturally to me. So it really was just a beautiful organic growth without a lot of the stress I think a lot of people feel when they're starting a new business because I had that partner who could help me with the kids, who could um, you know, make sure that, that we had income, even if it took me a while to, to build up my, my practice. You mentioned earlier, uh, and I don't want to let it go, um, you mentioned celebrities. So I want to throw two names at you. Lady, Lady Gaga and Selena Gomez. What, uh -huh. what can you tell us uh, uh, about them? All right. So uh, besides uh, their, their amazing, successful women in music. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's interesting. Uh, there are two people that, that I've talked about before. Um, so Selena Gomez has lupus and the lupus attacked her kidneys. She actually got the same chemotherapy that I did. Not for two years. They don't do that anymore. Um, but it didn't work for her. And she actually got a kidney transplant. Um, but... What's interesting is she recently said, well, recently, this was like probably two years ago now, COVID's a blur, like 20, so yeah. before that, she had said that her lupus was finally under control now that she was getting her mental health 
under control. So she started getting a type of therapy called DBT. Uh, and I love that celebrities are being open about this part because it is a part of our health and it shouldn't be stigmatized. And DBT mm -hmm. is dialectical behavioral therapy. I'm trained in this. It's a type of therapy for people with severe trauma and suicidality. Right. So obviously, if she needed DBT, there was some big trauma she had to work through. And it's probably why her medicines didn't work as well and why she's doing better now that she's getting that treatment, or at least at the time she said that. Um, and right before she had the kidney failure, I remember there was an article about her where she was getting into shape and they showed the diet her, her trainer had her on. And it was like a paleo. There was lots of meat, you know, and it's just so I think that her diet was really poor. Um, the meat uh, is inflammatory and then she has a high stress job and lifestyle and she had trauma. Um, so, you know, eating well, uh, getting the right treatments, um, and dealing with the mental health part is really important. And so with Lady Gaga, it's interesting is the same thing. She's got fibromyalgia apparently and fibromyalgia is not necessarily autoimmune, but it is inflammatory. And it's a condition where people experience high levels of pain in their body, not even in their joints necessarily, but in their muscle tissue, just pain everywhere, fatigue. And it usually accompanies depression and or anxiety as well, to the point that some doctors consider it a psychiatric disease, even though there's physical pain and others send it more to rheumatology. There's a lot of argument about it because it travels together that way. And Lady Gaga, at the same time that Selena Gomez was saying that about DBT, Lady Gaga came out. She did an interview with Oprah. I don't know if you saw that big thing she did with Oprah, where she said that she had her symptoms started after she was sexually assaulted. And now she's getting DBT. <laughs> I'm doing advertising for DBT, but it's trauma therapy. So she's getting trauma therapy. She said her pain is better than it's ever been since she's been getting the right therapy. Uh, so it just really highlighted what I've been doing all along, which is that we need to do the emotional work with the nutrition and the rest of it in order to get people as healthy as they possibly can. But I do love those ladies. Um, I, I'm not musically, uh, but also in terms of them being really open about their journey and about their emotional health, their physical health, and also showing that you can create a massive success for yourself with a diagnosis. Um, and you still need to take care of your, your mental health as well as your physical health. So then, you know, thank you, Dr. Goldner for taking us through your journey. And one part of, uh, the show that I, I always impose on my guests to share is your number one insight from your journey. You know, if, if anyone else, because there are so many people that are out there that are creating programs and stuff like that to help other people also. And one aspect of it is helping. The other part of it is they have, it's also a business to them, too. Mm -hmm. uh, so what is your number one insight, $100,000 number one insight into this entire journey? That if you want to sum it up. insight in terms of personal health or business or one of each? One of each. Make it $200,000. Okay. $200, the thing that I think creates massive success in business is integrity. I think you've got to be who you say you are, live the way you say you do, and do the things you say you do. Uh, there's a lot of people out there that are not really who they say they are. I've gotten known people who act like they're one way and they're really not. Um, I think if you are delivering what you say you are, you will create fans, you will create customers, and they will spread the word for you. Um, but you've got to be consistent. You've got to do the things that you're actually saying you're doing. I found that that has been the most beneficial. And the other thing I did that was different than other people um, is I've given away all my protocols for free. I teach them for free. People don't pay for my knowledge. They pay for my support. And I think that's created immense trust as well because people have healed for free, literally for free, just by following my, my free online stuff that I do and their diseases go away. Um, and so for me, giving back and taking care of the vulnerable and the poor uh, is really meaningful to me as much as I love also taking care of people. You know, if someone wants to hire me, I love taking care of them as well. So for me, that's part of, of what's worked for me is integrity and also giving um, as much as I also work for pay. So those things have meant a lot for me. And I know that's a lot different than a lot of folks do it. Um, a lot of people, they'll They'll, they'll give like nine points for free, but the 10th point you got to pay for. Um, and I don't do that. And my husband and I do that because we believe that people need to have these kind of services to save their lives and to save their wives. And, uh, and that's been an important part of our journey for us. So I think that that translates. People care about that. People appreciate that. Nobody can say you're in it for the money when you're giving your program away for free, right? So um, I, I really think that that's the way you create trust is honesty and being really open with what you're doing with people. So that said, so that would be my 100,000 idea for business. I think for health, um, health, I think the biggest thing I'd say is you've got to take action. 
like actually start taking care of your health. People waste so much time constantly Googling and searching and they've listened to every podcast and they've listened to read every book and yet they're not doing anything yet. And, and they'll come up with excuses as to why maybe I need to learn more. Maybe I need to find out about salt. Maybe I need to find, just take punting. They're punting. <laughs> they become addicted to the search. Yeah. You got to take action with what you know. Like we, we have a free website where we teach people how to make green smoothies that can help reverse disease. It's just free. Make it, buy the groceries, make the blender, drink it. Just start taking action now and stop putting it off because if you think you're too busy or you're not ready yet, eventually you're going to be too sick to take the action. So just start because you need to do this for your own life and for all the things that you were born to do and the gifts you're meant to give. And because there are people who love you who need you to do it as well. So just take action. And actually I'll use that for business and health. You've got to just start even before you know everything. You've got to take action every day. And most importantly, visit Dr. Goldner on her website here, uh, goodbyelupus.com. And uh, you can follow her on Instagram uh, at uh, goodbyelupus. And I want to flash this book again. I want to make sure that people do grab a copy of it, especially if you are suffering from lupus. Or And, and I think there's another uh, title, Goodbye Autoimmune Disease, I believe. There's yeah, a, there so three, three books, I think. Yeah, Goodbye Lupus is my story of recovering the six steps dealing with supermarket foods. Goodbye Autoimmune Disease, I have dozens and dozens of case studies of other diseases, but also the emotional component of healing. So a lot of folks, like, they know what to eat, but they just can't make themselves do it. And they've told me that Goodbye Autoimmune Disease finally gave them the framework for healing their emotions as well so they could take action. So that's the differences between the two. But thank you for that. Thank you, Dr. Goldner, for being part of the show. Thank you for being here and sharing uh, your life's journey as well as how you have turned your life journey into, into this uh, amazing cause to help everybody, the humanity, and anyone that's suffering from it. Well, my pleasure. And thank you for, for helping me share it because you never know who could be listening where this was what they needed to save their own lives. So I really appreciate you for, for letting me be here and sharing me with your audience. Thank you.